Smacked. So Ghana and the rest of the third world had largely missed out on three industrial revolutions, leaving us poor and miserable. This week, the vice president, Dr. Baumia, was clear Ghana is laying the foundation so we don't lose out on the so-called fourth industrial revolution. The fourth industrial revolution is upon us and we must be part of the modern world. Also, there is a growing body of empirical evidence that illustrates the capacity of digital technology to create jobs, significantly boost productivity, increase income, and support wealth creation. Going forward, countries that fail to digitalize their economies are likely to be uncompetitive in the emerging global digital revolution. So the world is indeed standing on the brink of a technological revolution that will fundamentally alter the way we live, work, and relate to one another. That's according to the uh, World Economic Forum. Now, this revolution is the age of digitalization. So is Ghana truly ready for the digital revolution? Tonight, we connect Ghanaians molding the digital space to their will to explore. Connect after the break. Jack, your money coming. <laughs> that is the sweet sound of my savings when I transfer money for free from my Vodafone Cash Wallet to all networks. Bro, no 1% or 1.5% charges anywhere. I say free transfers on Vodafone Cash and Airco. Don't give small money chances. Yes, save more on every money transfer from Vodafone Cash to all networks. Sending money is absolutely free on Vodafone Cash. Send any amount of money as many times as you want to all networks and make savings for the things that really matter. Don't give small money chance. Dial star one one zero hash to send money for free. Vodafone. The 18th International Building Construction Exhibition 2021 is here again. We bring you exhibitors from all over the world who are the finest in building, construction, interior design, and infrastructure development. A one-stop shop to discover what suits you best from our business prospects during the three-day event with product, equipment, services, and technologies on display under the theme Targeting Project. Date 11th to 13th November 2021. Venue Accra International Conference Center. Time 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. 
p.m. daily. This event is organized by Image Consortium Group Limited under the auspices of Ministry of Works and Housing in collaboration with all building professionals. Sponsors Kimo Homes, Interplus B5 Plus, C Woman. Admission is free for visitors. For more information, contact 0244-321-696 or 0244-312-499 or follow us on all our social media platforms or log on to our website at www.imageconsortiumlimited.com. This is your business at its best. And this is your business beyond its best. Bar club and restaurant owners can now get up to three DSTV decoders, all with the same number of channels, with a single monthly subscription. For just a small access fee, each additional decoder can be used independently to satisfy the tastes of all your patrons. Contact 0302-740566 for more inquiries. Extra view for DSTV business, your business beyond its best. And you are live on Joy 99.7 FM. This is Ghana Connect. So this week, Vice President Dr. Baumia has been touting the uh, digitalization agenda of government. But is Ghana really ready for what has been touted as the fourth industrial revolution? Dr. Baumia himself asks a few critical questions. We ask the following questions. How prepared is Ghana to compete in the emerging global digital revolution? Have we got in place the key pillars that would enable our economy to participate in the emerging digital revolution? Is the system we have fit for purpose? We're connecting some great Ghanaian minds uh, this evening to try and answer a few of the questions Dr. Bamia himself had posed this week. So, as we have read and have heard, Ghana and the rest of the third world largely missed out on three industrial revolutions with devastating consequences. Now, here we are again, as the World Economic Forum puts it, on the brink of a technological revolution that will fundamentally alter the way we live, work, and relate to one another. Now, in its scale, they, they, they estimate, its scale and scope, and complexity, the transformation will be unlike anything humankind has experienced before. Whoever masters this fourth industrial revolution, driven by data and the digital, will bring economic prosperity to his people. The vice president was quite optimistic that the Ghanaian is ready for this new dawn. And I am excited about the prospects of the nation we are building, the brilliant minds being nurtured, who are contributing towards this vision. We must allow our mindset to build our courage that we can be amongst the best in the world at anything. Some of our senior high schools are winning world robotic competitions. The digital revolution is a youth-driven revolution. It is your revolution. And I look forward to all of you playing a role in making our nation 
great and strong. So tonight we ask, do you share the vice president's optimism? Is Ghana really ready for the digital revolution? You want to join us with your thoughts on this here on Ghana Connect. Uh, and connecting the studio, as the vice president had noted, this is uh, a, a revolution that will be driven uh, unlike the ones we saw the first, second and the third by young people. And a few young Ghanaians are joining and connecting with us uh, both here in the studio and across the uh, digital platforms we have to have a conversation. Uh, I'm delighted to say that uh, connecting uh, in the studio uh, this evening is a founder and CEO of, um, how do you even call this, uh, uh, Zuela? Is it uh, Devlapa? Say again. Okay, Diva Lopa. Diva Lopa. Okay, that's that's interesting. I, I need to go into why developer because it sounds like I, I nearly said developer, but uh, of course it's not what it is. Okay, great. Uh, we'll get into that. But uh, I'm delighted to hear her because she's an IT. Uh, she's with an IT auditing uh, company, uh, also a social enterprise that uh, focuses on girls in ICT. So I'm great that uh, it's great that she connects with us in the studio. Uh, Michael Alessandro is the chief executive officer of the uh, Omni Strategies. Hello, Michael. Uh, great to have you speaking to the microphone for me. Uh, so uh, you guys do what exactly? Um, so we're a technology firm and we build custom software for varying clients um, from private to um, public sector. Okay. Uh, so if you need a, a technology solution, we're there for you. Okay. Uh, we'll put it to the test so we have the, we'll have the conversation right now. Ghana. Margaret uh, is the, also uh, with B Systems. Hello, Margaret. Uh, great to connect uh, with us here in the studio. Uh, Toby Wood. Uh, listen, the vice president was in the chassis um, this week because he wanted to tap into the you know young minds, and uh, Toby is from a chassis. In fact, he's the uh, the student of the management information systems. There studies that right management information, and is the SRC president. Are you? Okay, great, great to have you. Great to have you. Um, so you you study uh, digitalization, digitization, or coming to what that means because it's been bandied about. Um, so I'll ask you to tell me what the difference. Um, your lecturer will be listening uh, very shortly. Um, we'll get into that very shortly. Uh, Doc, don't worry. I'm not asking you any question yet. Um, so, but of course, uh, we're also connecting, as we always do, uh, via Zoom tonight. Uh, Winifred Coating, a co-founder of Superfluids Lab, uh, is also connecting via Zoom. And I'm curious about Superfluids Lab because uh, it's a data analytics company that provides consumer analytics and credit scoring solutions from data with artificial intelligence. Uh, you don't get to hear enough of that uh, in Ghana uh, on the continent. But of course, I'm delighted that uh, he can join us. Uh, Winifred, thank you for connecting. Um, he joins us on Zoom. We'll hear him very shortly. Connecting the studio, obviously, we'll put a lot of questions to him. Everybody will have questions for him. Uh, Dr. Gideon Bark, I don't know why he agreed to subject himself to this, because he's the man who is uh, supervising the policy implementation. Uh, we'll ask him a few questions about how to make this wheel uh, run even more smoothly. He's a technical advisor, uh, the office of the vice president. Doc, thank you very much for your time. Okay, uh, I can hear my guest. Please fix it for me. Uh, would... Uh, we would hear them very shortly on, on Ghana Connect. But let me start with that basic question, by the way, because there are a few things we need to get out of the way. And I, as I said, uh, Toby, I'm going to come to you first. Yes, please. Because I've heard these words thrown about this week, right? You were there when the vice president spoke. Um, digitalization, digitization. We mixed the two 
Well, what's the difference? You you are fresh in school, so maybe you 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 have the very latest on this. Well, what's the difference? Um, I'd say that I think the reason why I think so. Oh. process right and um, I think is digitalization I'm not too sure so don't quote me on this right <laughs> digitalization looks more at uh, business processes and the idea of looking at um, using the data in a more meaningful way mm. right so that one so one is converting from physical to uh, digital mm. and the other is really just utilizing the data or the digital information as best as you can okay so I see one as an activity so I take this hard copy yes and then I turn it into a soft precisely that's digitization precisely. yes please and then one is more systems-based. Yes, uh, exactly. So that is, you know, the, the whole system of doing something using digital technology. Yes, uh, Am I right, Zuela? Yeah, so um, with digitalization, you can use the keyword like transformation of an organization. Mm, okay. So from transforming from um, a manual way of doing things to a, an automated way of doing things. So the keyword here is transformation. Okay. Yeah. So let's start with that then. Let's start with that point you make because yeah. you, you made, Zuela. So transformation, you work in that space. Yeah. What's your assessment of where we are as a country? I'm talking about the fourth industrial revolution. We missed out on the three, largely. I mean, in the first industrial revolution, steam engine, third, electricity. We, we, we caught up very, very late, including Ghana, places that still don't have electricity, yeah. right? Uh, we, the third is, you know, it, this is, the fourth is a build, the building on the third. Yeah. Where are we, you work in this space. Where are we uh, in sort of in the, the journey to fully realize in this fourth industrial revolution? Okay, so um, personally, with my experience um, as an IT auditor, um, when I go to organizations, it's very rare for you to go to organizations that don't have a software or a system that's transforming their manual processes to their automation, automated processes. And so you realize that um, even though we don't have a lot of tech-savvy people in organizations, when you go there, there is as low as even a human resource management system that takes care of people's um, business processes. We have um, we have organizations that use softwares for their financials, and so I I, I will put us at a point where we are like seventy percent getting there, mm. especially in the urban area like in Accra, because a lot of organizations are really understanding the future of work, and because of the COVID um, situation and the lockdown, it made us expose some of the uses of technology from using Zoom for meetings and whatnot. And so saying now, that Winifred is Winifred on Zoom, by the way. Hello, Winifred. Okay. Hello. Oh, yes, great. I'm on Zoom. Oh, fantastic. Yes. Right on cue. Yeah. yeah. The Zoom <laughs> is working. I just exactly. wanted to check. And so now when you're about to have meetings, even in organizations, people are like, can't we do it on Zoom? Because they realize that they don't want to waste a lot of productivity time into mm. moving to and fro from other places to the other when they could just connect on their phones or on their laptops to um, give more insights. Mm. And so from the organization point of view, you realize that people are actually embracing technology. I think I'll give us a 70% um, on that, aside the challenges with maybe internet connectivity and sometimes yeah. the high prices of internet charges, mm. but on an individual level where I um, train and um, inspire more girls to get into technology 
every day i think i get people reaching out to me and be like okay so i want to get into tech where do i start from mm. regardless of where they are coming from so i think that um this digital transformation that everybody is getting to is we are getting to a point where ghana is really understanding that the future of work is near um according to the world forum in the year 2025 a lot of jobs are going to be disrupted and then new jobs will be created and so we position ourselves where we can get these jobs and i think the average Ghanaian is getting to the point where they really understand that okay the future is technology and so in my little way where do i go from here yeah i'm interesting michael what's your story i mean based on what she's saying in terms of the foundation that has been laid the vice president was very clear that the foundation has been laid for this takeoff what's your story you experience this on the daily basis before I begin, I'd just like to correct you that I'm the head of technology. Oh, head of technology, okay. Yes. Not the chief executive. Yeah. Okay, uh, you wish. <laughs> <laughs> your boss, uh, did your boss send you a message? <laughs> I haven't checked your phone yet, okay. Before you get into trouble, okay. Just share with us what your story okay, has been. Right. So, um, yeah, you're right. I actually started as an engineer, and so I've been working in engineering my entire career, and now I'm a head of technology. And so I've, I've watched as Ghana has changed. Um, slowly transformed into uh, into a very unique position. Um, recently, we had a job fair at our organization, and there were a lot of people that came just to even find out about tech. And so they, it wasn't just software engineers applying. And um, uh, it's it's a trend that we're noticing, especially from even from social media. A lot of um, young um, folk that are coming out of school are trying to get into tech, and so we're we're finding ourselves in a in a position. Um, where we have a lot of talent and all they need now is the opportunity to showcase um, what they can do. And so that places Ghana in a very unique position where we can capitalize on this industrialization. That's if um, we the right structures are in place. And which is why it's very exciting to hear that um, at least leadership um, it has has that in the back of their mind. So they're helping lay those structures so we can capitalize on this. On this. I mean, uh, Margaret, she, he says something here about um, the young people coming out of school right. um, looking for an opportunity to express yes. themselves in this space. Yes. Um, the, are the opportunities there? Yes, I, I would say 100% the opportunities are there because, again, from a technology point of view, we are having a whole lot of ideas that we are trying to put out there in the market. So out of all these ideas, um, you have the fintech, we have um, solutions that are coming out out of the fintech. We have, um, I think the vice president mentioned the fact that data is now driving technology now. So looking at the fact that we have so much data, there are so much innovative um, solutions that are coming out. And out of that, one thing that we have realized, you know, in hiring students that are from tech institutions like here in UST and the rest, you realize that um, the students are not restricted to just what they are taught in the classrooms. They're taking courses on YouTube. They're taking online courses. They're actually building themselves. Some actually venture out out of the school, the normal coursework, and start developing applications based on their own ideas. Mm. So, and and as a, a company that is into hiring tech savvy students, that is one of the things that we always look out for. How open are you? Are you willing to learn? Are you, you know, going out there to um, more or less experience or learn about you know, technologies that are actually um, arriving or are coming out of these new innovative um, 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 systems that are being put in place. You have artificial intelligence. Yeah. You know, we, we have a whole um, programming language that you need to learn, you know, in order to move into such, you know, um, 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 technology spaces. We have data analytics. So basically, you see that, yes, the students are coming, but they are also venturing into other fields that are outside their coursework. And that is very, very um, interesting. Uh, it's interesting you say that. So what you're actually saying is the Ghanaian youth. Yes. 
is showing that they are capable. Yes. Beyond what you are taught in the classroom. That's yes. your experience. Yes, field. that's our experience. Okay, well, let me ask that because you also, is that your experience too, honestly? Yes, yes, that is my experience. Because often the criticism has been that a typical Ghanaian student comes out of school and can't fit. You see your experience in the tech area is different. Exactly. Okay. Um, let, me bring, let me bring in Winifred on this. Winifred, you also work in the same space. Is that, is that your own story too? Is that your own experience? Um, yes, um, very much so. I think for, for me and for our experience as a data analytics company, because that field is very new, still very new, still being developed, our challenge is the absence of enough um, problems to be solved with data analytics um, for for this very eager uh, students who are coming out of school to get practical experience. So if you take a typical software engineering, it's, it's really easy for you to think of a problem in your community, in the society, or in an industry you're familiar with and start creating a solution for that. But it's not the case for data analytics. With data analytics, you need data, and the data must be digitized, digitized data, so that you would be able to work with. And then you need to be able to put that into test and then prove that what you've done works, actually solves the problem, especially when it comes to artificial intelligence. So for, for us, what we have a lot of um, students coming through is the desire to look for practical experience working with data analytics. So for the eagerness, I agree with uh, Margaret and everyone else is very high, very, very high. They are so eager, they're actually looking to solve meaningful problems with the knowledge and the skills they're learning. Uh, Toby, you are in school. Yes. Um, you're almost out of school, I guess. Yes, in my final year. Uh, final year. You're looking forward to engaging this well, this fourth and revolution. Because it, as Bamiya has said, <laughs> this is about you. Yeah. You feel capable, you feel ready. I do. I actually do feel ready simply because, I mean, Ashasi is a great space, especially if you're moving into computer science or tech-related opportunities. But I think one of the reasons why it's a great space is because... It, how do I put it? You see a lot of people who are actively trying to get somewhere, right? The tech is not such a limited field that whatever you're taught is what you're limited to, right? Most of the people who are programmers or people who are looking to go into some form of tech are very familiar with the issues around tech, meaning that you're trying to build an application or you're trying to get something, you go online, find there's a whole tech community who's ready to support you with solutions and ideas, and it makes you excited to really push that forward. So going out of a chassis or going out of a school system, I know that I can very easily apply myself where I need to because there's infinite amounts of information online, right? There are so many courses that you can take and so many opportunities that you can work from remotely that makes you feel somewhat prepared at the very least to learn what you have to, to be able to do what you need to. Okay. I mean, Dr. Kidobako, so the, the vice president was clear that the foundation has been laid for this. There's a general consensus that some work definitely has, has happened. Um, and talking about the opportunities, what, what's your, what's your, what, what are you picking off of this conversation? Yeah, I think um, if you listen to Winifred, well, from the data analytics point of view, uh, you got a sense that there is so much work to be done, but it must start from somewhere. The data must be there the digital form for the data analytics person to use that data. Now, if you come to our setting and our setup, the opportunities are so enormous because we still have a chunk of data 
that are not in digital form. Yeah. It's just like going to school to study forestry and you're put at a place which has desert land. They have a lot of work to do because <laughs> we have to plant so so many trees. Yeah. So in, in our setup, sitting back and working with the vice president, he sees such such a huge opportunity out there because we live in an economy that is largely informal. Things are not digitized. Things are not in, in, in a form that you can sit with your computer and work with. So you see that we, we, we need a large mass of young people who are IT savvy, to come in to proffer solutions. You see, the market is there. You just need to create the solution. Once you create the solution, you have the raw materials to work with. Mm. And the raw material is the analog data. Okay, the analog data. is There are some of the data that we've not even thought about how to create them. You know, when I was exiting from my PhD program, my professor had begun something to, to, to set up a data center and there's one professor who was using that and you realize that there are so many data within our system that we have not even identified then come to think of transforming it from the analog form to the digital form so there's so much work to be done that is why the creativity of our young people come to bear when we're certain from knowing people knowing that the vice president is so much interested in IT, you get a lot of proposals coming from the young people. And some of them, when you open them and you read, you say, wow, so this can offer a solution to the problem. Sometimes you doubt because I'm not an IT person. Sometimes when I read some of them and I listen to them, I ask them, are you sure this can solve the problem? And truly they are able to solve the problem. Look at the gentleman who developed the medical uh, pharma e-pharmacy app to help people identify medicine. Hayford met Aris. The vice president went for the annual general meeting, the Ghana Pharmaceutical Council or something, and he made a presentation. The vice president called him to his office. said, look, talk to me about this. And the way the guy explained that thing, the vice president could not want to stand, stand up for the person. said, look, this is going to work. And that is how come, as a government, we decided that let us do this e-pharmacy thing. So, so the young people know the problems out there. They just need the platform and the opportunities to be created for them. And they also have to see that the work that they are into is supported by government. If you have a government that is not interested in digitization and IT, no matter how loud you sing, it doesn't sink. Leave them the youthful exuberance. And they say all their political things and they let you go. But I'm so much inspired that we now see to have a political leadership that is interested in this. And then we have a teeming, youthful population of the country that are also so creative and determined to cause an effect and to do something new. And I think we need to encourage that because there are so many problems in this country which can be solved if we are able to get data. If we cannot measure anything, you can't manage it. So this economy and everything that we're talking about, an immeasurable economy is unmanageable. Because if you cannot measure, how do you manage it properly and to benefit everybody? And that is why we are so passionate. This is the future of work. That is how Jia said. This is where the niche, the world is moving to. We've moved beyond third industrial revolution, IT, fourth industrial revolution, combination of IT, biological sciences, and the physical sciences. And that's the way we need to go. You talked about something. I want to bring in Zulea uh, on this. Yeah. You talked about support yeah. um, for the sector. Is the support there? 
so the support i think we will talk about it in like two different mm. aspects so when we talk about the capacity building support i think that um we are at a verge where there's an upspring of a lot of um hubs where they are focused on training more people into tech and when we talk about tech we are not limiting to just coding but other aspects of tech yeah. we have digital marketing content creation and all that and so i think the support for the education and capacity building from that aspect is there but when it comes to um startups people having access to funding people mm. having access yeah. to the resources to help them properly understand where they are going so i have an idea but how then do i take it from ideation to um growth when we talk about those those aspects i think that we are a bit behind even though according to statistics we are having a lot of investors come into the country especially in areas of health tech and fintech there's an outspring of people actually investing in these areas in technology i think that the native or the ordinary ghanian who comes up with an idea does not have the proper skill to actually structure the company very well. I think I faced that even personally um, when I was starting the organization. Understanding how the ecosystem works or the business ecosystem works, um, structuring my company, being able to access funding to actually help what I'm doing or grow what I'm doing is a bit behind. I think that's um, an area where we, we can look at. And also the support from the um, starting from the grassroots. IT tools from the grassroots. Um, it's it's now that I, I after I heard the vice president, excellency vice president was talking about getting tablets to organizations and schools to help students really learn these things. But most of the students, when you go to the classrooms, they only know tech through textbooks. Mm, most of them yes, don't have mm. access to computers or IT tools in class. Yeah. So they grow just knowing tech on paper so they get to a particular stage and then they have access to maybe a mobile phone but then because you don't really understand the benefits of some of these tools they might be using the phone to do other things like the statistics that came out to show where Ghanaians really search on, on the web it, it was appalling to see that Google was number one even though YouTube was there we would learn from YouTube but most of them were flooded with betting um, sites and <laughs> explicit content um websites and so you understand that yeah the support is there when it comes to um growing up and then capacity building when it comes to the hub system people have opportunities to walk into a hub and get training for free i think the support is there a bit for um business but there's still a lot to look out for mm. but then then in the i think the important one is going back to the classroom practical stem and practical tech education in the classrooms mm. they need to appreciate what it can do from infancy so mm. as they are growing their mind is okay so if i can do this on the computer then maybe i could do this yeah, i can I try mean, that uh, to yeah. You, you agree? Yes, yeah. I, I strongly agree with what she's saying over here because um, one of my personal views on the entire thing, right, is do we have the facilities to educate the Ghanaian community to a point where they can appreciate what is happening, right? Because I think uh, I've been reading online and I realized that there seems to be a little bit of a disconnect between where we want to go and how we are going to get there, right? We do not necessarily have all the facilities in place. We do not necessarily have the the mindset that is completely ready for a digital revolution. And in order to get there, we need to focus severely on the how. And it's I don't even think it's a matter of just educating. I think it's really just pushing forth the support, as a doctor was mentioning, the, the government support. If the youth is aware, 
And when I say aware, like truly aware that the government is ready and able to support you with these ideas, you'll take off with your curiosity. You take off with your excitement because people want to get projects done. Mm. I know so many young minds in and out of Ashesi in Legon, you know, Kenya State, other schools are, are, are across, even high schools, for instance, with people who have ideas and projects that they're willing to start, but it ends at a school level because they don't know if they can take this further. So one of the beautiful things that I, I realized from the conversation with the vice president at Ashesi is that the government is willing to support us and they're willing to tell us how they're going to support us. That kind of access to information, that kind of transparency, I feel is going to generate the kind of mindset that we're looking for to get people to really just say, you know what, I'm going to try something and I'm going to push it forward because I know that there's there's a support system in place. Yeah, right? I mean, I want to bring Winifred because of uh, she's in the artificial intelligence uh, area. I mean, all of you, very interesting things you do, but it always fascinates me. I wonder in a country like Ghana, how would, for example, as we've been talking, the support for that? People, I, I don't understand what it is still. Um, I have my phone. The only thing I appreciate about it is when I'm taking a picture, I have an AI function that says AI, and it identifies the food, and I take the photo. But, but, but Winifred, I mean, what, what has been your experience with that? We've been talking about the support. Um, there's a sense that, yes, the, the government is willing at least to listen and, and to help. Uh, but you're dealing in the area of uh, artificial intelligence. Even that area, I believe, even in the, in the West, is still a developing field. Let more for a country like Ghana, where we 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 we're really not there yet in terms of the the most high tech of things. What's what's your take on this? Um, I think uh, that's that's an interesting question. That's actually uh, very exciting for us to look at and to speak about why. Because if you are catching up, there's no need starting from um, all the steps that your predecessors used. If you can actually move to step number five or step number 10 in the process. And, and so it is really key that we look at taking advantage of artificial intelligence fully across multiple facets of our needs as as an economy, our needs as a country, and to serve various, various issues and to tackle the various areas of challenges. And I'll say this, uh, quite ex uh, I'm quite excited about this because about uh, two years ago at the first Ghana Data Science Summit, I had opportunity to be a keynote speaker. And one of the areas I cited as places of use of data analytics and artificial intelligence was around healthcare and predicting uh, disease and monitoring disease spread. And interestingly, I gave some use cases of things happening in other other countries. And interestingly, when COVID happened, that was exactly what the nation did. We took advantage of data. We're able to show how uh, diseases, the, the COVID virus was spreading and then case counts and recoveries and all of those and provided a lot of assurance to the population. Everyone woke up and they went there to get information. In fact, the vaccines have come out and I'm expecting to see where the centers are going to be, where the vaccines are going to be distributed, how people are going to be vaccinated, all of that information and data points captured and also shared um, to help in that facet. So when it comes to application of artificial intelligence, application of data analytics, I actually think that we don't need to wait we need to start taking advantage of that. And now that we have a lot of the enabling levers established, uh, the addressing system, the uh, 
profiles of individuals through the Ghana card. I believe we, we are a very good place to start looking at taking advantage of analytics, start taking advantage of predictive analytics, artificial intelligence to tell what else we can be doing. How do we address the systemic challenges? How do we help match services to the, to the areas that they are needed most? And then how do we measure impact and then see how the interventions are giving us the results needed or creating so we find the solutions and the results that we are looking for. So I'm actually quite excited and I hope that we are not looking at uh, going step one, step two, step three approach in, in terms of using advanced technology such as artificial intelligence. Hmm. I was actually making a joke earlier on this week that people have moved to metaverse, you know, and what is that? It's still a technology tool. So no, I, I, I am lost. What, what did you, what, what did you <laughs> say? You, you, you are not alone, Eva. I am completely. What, did you say me, me, meta? What's that? <laughs> you, you can't be lost. <laughs> you can't be lost. You know. So we need to take advantage of the technologies as they are happening, so that we don't waste time trying to play catch up. Because we have the enabling systems, and one of the things about digital technologies is that it's not um it doesn't need to rely on other things so for instance if you take oil as a driver of an economy you need to have oil okay for digital technologies what do we need we need connectivity we need access to devices and in our setting the mobile phone is one of the main devices uh, with connectivity that most of the population would have we have a lot of those things that's infrastructure built so we just need to capitalize on that and progress very fast okay Gideon, please address the uh, support question for me that that uh, that had come up um the the the, the support that um, yeah. is there so, for so the 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 support can be in varied ways. Um, one way is, uh, of course, financial support. And I, I, I guess it appears to be the main one. <laughs> am I am I reading it right? I'm not too sure it being the main one. Okay. <laughs> and it's one of them. Then also support in terms of government leading policy and making sure that the basic systems are put in place, like Unif uh, Winifred was talking about. I mean, you, you may have to ride on the back of uh, systems like getting a national ID in place, getting a digital property address system in place, and then also if it is a fintech, okay, yeah. getting the payment system architecture well designed such that it can be easy for people to make payments across board and all of that. So these are the kinds of things that government must focus and provide. As you engage the guys in the IT field, they're also able to come up with solutions that can link up with the systems government is creating to make sure the enabling environment is created for them. So government, if you look at the focus, I wouldn't be surprised that in the shortest possible time or very soon, government may design a policy as to how best we can resource um, those in the technology sector with capital and other means that they can be able to to to, to, to try. Yeah, I, I, I see a few smiley faces. <laughs> yeah. So 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 that, that, that is the whole thing. Please, is that, this is not political talk, right? Oh, Evans, there's no way uh, government would decide to take such an audacious step to to inspire the technology giants and the people in the technology field and decide to leave them just like that. You need to find better means of making sure that especially those who are startups 
are able to get what they need to get to be able to try. But it's also a competitive world. You understand? Yeah. They are not just competing within Ghana. They are competing with other companies outside the country because Ghana is also open that if there is a solution that must be provided to solve a problem in this country, it's not only Ghanaian companies that can build for uh, whatever contract is. Others can come from outside. I remember when we wanted to do the digital property addressing system. A lot of international companies came and put in their bid. Thankfully, a Ghanaian company got it. So they are competing globally. And so mm. they, 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 they also have to get the kind of resources that they need to get to be able to you know, pick up well and then become globally competitive. And so government is very mindful of that. And that is why you see leadership and policy direction coming from government through the Minister for Communications and also supported by the central government, President, Vice President Office, you know, making sure that we drive this kind of uh, digitization. All of these guys within the fintech and the IT industry are people that we work closely with. I remember two or three years ago when the Vice President was going to Silicon Valley, we went with a couple of these guys. And it was so much of an interest to see that the Ghanaian uh, uh, IT, you know, the private IT sector is equally competitive. The kind of knowledge that the guys at Silicon Valley, you know, have, they equally have the same knowledge. They just need the resources. They just need the support and the systems to be in place for them to function. And I think that is exactly what we're trying to do, have that collaboration with the private sector and make sure that we drive our, our IT sector to the level where we can also become a tourist. Of the Michael. World. Um, so I wanted to, to say about the support. Um, you'd be amazed by the talent that Ghana has. Um, that working in, in, pick any top tech firm in the world. They are there. Like the Adam Kumoji, Stefan Fowler, Joe Dakum. They are doing great work. These are Ghanaians. And they could be working in the country, right? But uh, previously, the support wasn't there. So maybe there's a, there's a software, right, that you can build. You know you can build. But you may apply for it. You may pitch it. Um, and you, it's it just, um, I think like Doc said, it just say, oh, this is just youthful exuberance. Or it gets, gets shut down. Um, it's great to hear something like the e-pharmacy came from someone that had a, um, a pitch. They, they spoke about the software and it kicked off. Now, if um, the country has this support in mind, right, they are encouraging um, local engineers or even the foreign ones to come back and they know that once they, they are going to deliver solutions, um, it's not going to be thrown away. We are going to have a lot of talent back in the country because that's one of the things that um, I've noticed. Once engineers reach a certain level, they realize that, well, um, why am I still in the country? What am I still doing here? Um, at some point, I also thought about that by... I chose to stay and then share my knowledge with the younger engineers so I can help them um, become the... You wanted to go abroad. Well, it was an easy option. Okay. Um, so what, what made you stay? Um, from a young age, I've always, I've always wanted to, to do something to, to help. I think okay. um, everyone has always wanted to, to do something great. Um, and... At some point, you, you look at the, the local salaries and the local environment, and um, the foreign environment is absolutely great. Mm. Um, before I joined Omni Strategies, I was at Andela, and Andela is a, a hiring um, company that uh, supplies talent to uh, U.S. and other Western countries. And joining that company, I realized that my, my skills were on par or sometimes even better than a lot of the international talent out there. And so it would, it would have been easy for me to apply to another um, uh, 
companies. So, for example, in, in tech, we, are, we call the FANG, Facebook, Amazon, um, Apple, Netflix, and Google. <laughs> it would be easy for me to apply there with my skills, but then I decided to stay mm. um, because if uh, someone like this uh, young man here... Yeah, Toby. Yeah, Toby, sorry, yeah. ...wants to um, learn how to use the cloud. So, for example, by company, we heavily focus on the cloud and we use a lot of... By the way, if you're listening to it's not the cloud that rained tonight. That is how some of us would think. That's what I used to think 10 years ago until... I got it. so 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 you're saying Ghanaians are doing great things in this space. Yes. Let me are. bring in Margaret. Margaret, you you are in that space. You are a tech firm. Yes. Is it a wholly owned Ghanaian tech firm? Yes, a wholly owned. So the question I, when I was listening to Doc, I was I wanted to ask you is, um, the vice president listed a lot of things that they've done. Um, e, e pharmacy, the e hospital, the hospital linkage, Ghana, Ghana.gov. Ghana.gov, the passports, you know, all yeah. about the. Yeah. How much of that are, are Ghanaians able to 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 go in that space and deliver? Yes, uh, I'll I'll speak from 14 years experience and we started by digitizing the booth already 14 years back. So whenever you walk into any banking institution, you're able to present your booters ID. And over that 14 years, we've been able to add the other three, which is driver's license, um, SNIT, as well as um, the passport. So given any of these ID, ID documents, you can walk into any bank and you're able to um, present it and you, you are able to get some type of financial you know, service done. Aside that, um, the reason why we are probably in the space is also because we, are, we have helped over 10 African countries currently. Wow. Yes. Over see, so so you are, you've exported your skills from Ghana to, yes. to 10 African countries. Exactly. So you are a multinational. Yes, we are a multinational company. <laughs> mm. A yes. Ghanaian multinational company. Exactly. Oh. Tech firm that is competing on a global um, 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 race with all other um, 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 IT firms. And what we have specialized in is developing collateral registry um, um, systems for central banks across 10 African countries. So, yes, I think when Ghanaians are given the opportunities, I mean, the, the sky is just the starting point, you know. Mm. We can go far and beyond and be able to compete with innovative solutions on an international level. And if I see, you were asking uh, whether or not they are able to do a lot of the things the vice president talked about and we're doing in Ghana. Yeah, I was going to ask, how many of the things he said you've no, done I, I with this have been think, done by Ghanaians? almost all the things the vice president said are done by Ghanaians. Okay. Wow. Yeah, and he mentioned it. He mentioned it. For instance, if we take yeah. the Ghana.gov, yeah. when we decided to do the Ghana.gov, it's also part of the ways government is seeking to support the uh, IT guys. The vice president and government decided let's put a consortium of some of these IT guys together to do the Ghana.gov. So the Ghana.gov was done, executed, designed by Ghana. A consortium? Yeah, a consortium. So you put a few of them together yeah, to do this? Yeah, okay. a few of them together, especially... Uh, those that the vice president went to Silicon Valley with, you put a few of them together and they delivered. Mm. Okay, the Ghana Post GPS, Ghanaians, the ECG app, Ghanaians. I mean, almost all the things we are doing, we are we are doing with Ghanaian IC, I, 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 ICT firms. I'm really impressed by B Systems. I, I it's rarely would you hear a Ghanaian multinational. Um, so, so um, I guess the question I ask then is, um, how much of an impact do you feel you're making then in this space? I believe we have made a lot of impact. Okay. Uh, impact, when I say a lot, I, I, that's because I don't want to quantify it. Yeah. Because the um, impact is immeasurable. And it's immeasurable in the sense that um, when you look at what is exactly driving 
you know, identity verification when it comes to how we used to do it, you know, over the past 14 years, which has driven even SIM registration, has driven uh, mobile money um, registration and across a lot of sectors. Now, fintechs, it's, it's a requirement. You have to meet KYC mandate. And how do you meet KYC mandate? How do you meet your, your know your customer mm. mandate if you're not able to uniquely identify who you're dealing with? So, again, I'll say our impact is immeasurable because... Um, the way technology works, you start small, and by the time you realize it has a lot of impact on so many individuals, so many businesses, so many sectors. Mm. And it just keeps on um, um, spreading, and it keeps on breeding other new innovative solutions. Uh, let me bring in Winifred. Winifred, how are you competing with the rest of the world? Like, the, the, the thing about the digital space is that... Uh, it, it really brings home the global village concept because everything you do, everybody else is doing it or doing it better somewhere. Uh, and so it may, you're maybe in Ghana, but you're competing with the rest of the world. How are you competing with the rest of the world for a Ghanaian firm in this space? Okay, I think uh, for, for us, one of the unique things about us is, one, we provide solutions that a lot of other enterprises do not provide, especially on the continent. And uh, we've also had the opportunity to, to work with uh, several enterprises across the continent, actually serving multiple uh, businesses within Africa. So when it comes to a subject or an industry like data analytics, a lot of the technologies are uh, unique to the data environment in, in that particular space. So one of the big ways that we are different or we have a big competitive advantage is we have specialized in the ability to work with multiple types of data. So if we take uh, something like credit risk scoring, which is something we do very well, we were just the best uh, data analytics and credit risk scoring in 2020 for Africa. One of the reasons why we got that is that we're able to help build credit risk scoring and profiles for pharma data, for general commerce, for fintech, for financial services, we're able to do that. And that is because we've specialized in our environment. The data points are different. Unlike in other spaces where you have a, a credit card, which is the predominant uh, decision or enabler of lending. In Africa, we don't have that. We don't have that yet. So ability to build skills that enables you to work with the local environment and deliver results from the local system has been one of the things that has made us more successful um, than others who, who want to come into the space. Uh, Toby, let me bring you in here. There's something that Michael said there that caught my attention. He says he nearly left the shores for greener pastures. You're about finishing school. Yes. Do you feel, do you see your future in the space here? Um, I will be real with you. Uh, <laughs> I, I do and I don't, right? Um, Prior to the conversation with the Vice President, I wasn't certain if Ghana was going to rally and move into this space. And I know it seems very convenient, but then quite literally after this, uh, the session that we had, I actually began to think about it. I began to talk with some of my friends about it, about because there's so many opportunities and ideas that we have, even like um, Yeshesi Capstone projects and things that we're doing. Okay, And the aim for most Ghanaians is to fly abroad and you know, head over to a new space and greener pastures, right? But I think something that I've, uh, I think I share 
with uh, my friend over here, Michael, is that I always wanted to do something to contribute. I always wanted to do something to help the space that we're in, to make Ghana the place that people want to come to. And this is actually one of the best opportunities to do so. Um, when Margaret was speaking, something that caught my eye was the idea of a global community, but also focusing on, on Afrocentric or like a, a, a Ghanaian tech community that is accessible to any and everybody. If we have some open source platforms available for some of the projects like the Ghana.gov and the other, um, in, what do you call it, initiatives that are being put forward, we can really look at getting the excitement and keeping the people here because we see that there's excitement to see, I, how do I put it? For most programmers or most people in tech, we thrive on problems. Yeah. <laughs> like we really do want to solve problems and want to see how good we are. want to see if we're able to really match up with the ideas that we have in our heads. Being able to do that in Ghana and have the support and the celebration, right, that doesn't often come to people in tech, or at least in Ghana anyways, would be a fantastic starting point. And it, I think it's a start of getting more people like me, more people who are in tech or young who are thinking of where would my skills be best utilized? It will be the best way to get them here. Mm. Really pushing forth an open source community working on government issues or working on, on national level projects. I, I think that's uh, where my... So you said something that struck me. So you're saying that something that the vice president said to you changed your mind. Yes. Sort of focused you, your mind to, to staying here. What was it? What was it that, that, that flipped the switch? I think the realization came when I saw the presentation on the Ghana card and the integration of all of the services into that one card. I've never seen that before. You fly out of the country, you go anywhere, you have to present different kinds of ID and you, some, some places don't even allow you to show a screenshot or a, a scan of your document. You have to bring the physical copy. I'm just like, if I have this one card, I have access to so many things in one place. Mm. And I was just like, it, it, it quite literally blew my mind because using this card as your national passport, using this card to have all of your data. I, when he was speaking, I downloaded the Ghana.gov app put in my national card uh, uh, details in there and immediately saw my name pop up and I was immediately excited. I was like, something is actually happening and I haven't been able to see this because I didn't know about it. You I thought you know. were in the heavens. I was, I was, <laughs> you were in Ghana. <laughs> it was so interesting to see. Like, it didn't take two seconds. Like, it yeah. immediately came up. I saw my information. I saw my details. And I was like, wow, something is actually being done. Yeah. Mm. I want to help make this a reality for so many people. I think that was the point. When I saw the integration of everything, I was like, we have the potential or we are at the crux of making something really amazing in the country that we're living in. And, and Ashesi students, Legon students, any student, whether you're a student or not, right, in terms of the youth in general, we really have the power to jump onto this, to really push forward and support this, to move Ghana into an entirely new age. And if we realize that now with these conversations that we're having, and we push forward for like serious structure towards open source systems. We can actually make that happen. So, so there's a there's a point that uh, uh, Zuela, you you raise it that I want to bring up now. One of the key challenges to this fully actualizing, yeah. <clears throat> the OECD talks about it, the ensuring adequate access to high speed internet, but also affordable. I might I must mm. add because in the country in, in a place like this, <laughs> it's important. Um, I, quickly, I, I need to guys to tell me how much of a problem this is to this what we are talking about becoming. Uh, fully actualized in a country like Ghana, you, you work in this space. How, how much of a problem is this? Um, so it's it's, a, it's a especially a huge problem for my firm because we are 
heavily in the cloud. So if the internet, if we have internet <laughs> issues, it, it keeps mentioning the cloud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we, essentially, the cloud is uh, having using infrastructure, leveraging on um, powerful giant infrastructure to deliver solutions. Yeah. And so we don't have physical service. I mean, but bottom line, when you take a picture. Where it, Where it stores is it, the yes. cloud. Yeah, but that, that's all. That's all. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. In, internet has become like a very important uh, yeah. uh, infrastructure actually for us. It's almost like a, a, the raw material. Yes. The yes. raw material base for everything else we've talked about, yes, yes. right? So building, researching, um, deploying, a- anything you can think of, the internet is a backbone. Yeah. And I found us speaking to young engineers, sometimes when I speak and I tell them what I do, they get excited. And then um, they now have to go and research on it. Mm. Now, if you don't have access or affordable internet, they can't research on it. Then mm. you'll be relying on copying videos, and sometimes um, you it limits uh, the the um, some someone from the the huge uh, mm. let's say sea of information that is the internet. Mm. And so, with the lower, if we can lower the cost of internet or have internet more accessible, because I think something that we not just in the country, I must admit, like high speed internet. High speed. I mean, the four G is not. So well, I want to bring it. Four G that we have, it's it's really not four G, is it? I mean, I, I we all experienced it. Um, I mean, give me your experience. You work with the girls in the place. Affordability is key, but also sometimes you you're just loading a page, and it's like buffering and buffering. That clearly is an issue, isn't it? Not? It is. Um, honestly, in the past three months, I've just been complaining bitterly because <laughs> as easy as they even joining online is a problem. So you are teaching online or you're having a conversation online and somebody just goes off. And Zoom has mm. a weird thing. When somebody goes up, it's like the the way is like giving you signals and alarming. <laughs> yep, you yep. see how people are dropping off and joining in. At dropping off. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it just shows you how a lot of people keep on saying that I have problems with my internet. I have problems with my internet. It's a huge problem because... I also believe that um, a girl in the village can come up with the best IT firm. Yeah. It can compete with the Microsoft or the Fang, as we, we put it. But the only way this girl can have that is if she has in, um, access to internet and a technological device. Mm. And so mm. the internet is like the the center of everything that we are talking about. Mm. Okay, so, I, so so let me ask them because of time. I was going to ask him that question, so please ask him the question for me. <laughs> No, 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 no. Let her ask the question. You're not going to put me in trouble. (laughs) Okay, please ask ask, ask him the question for me. Ask him the question. So personally, I I, I don't know. I'll attempt to answer what I can answer. (laughs) Ask him the question for me. Giving tablets to students in remote areas. I I learned, uh, I read about the fact that we've given some teachers also um, modems and everything. But then, how are we curbing the access to internet connectivity, and how are we leveraging with some of these telcos to actually minimize the cost of these internet? Because yeah. yeah, I think the first question about how are we making internet available, especially for students, uh, the vice president mentioned yesterday, um, we've so far been successful in connecting all senior high schools and um, making internet available to them for free because we think that that's 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 the basics i mean they must be exposed to the internet right from the high school time 
before they move to the universities. I think there are plans to also get internet available to the universities. Some of the universities uh, are connected so far. So government is making internet available to senior high schools, making it available to the universities. And even for some senior high schools, in order to make learning easy for them, we have this that we call something that we call the iBus, which doesn't use internet, but offers them the opportunity to have access to some library materials that are digital. And so that is what government is doing in that space. And with respect to uh, getting the telcos to bring down <laughs> the, 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 the cost of internet is a conversation that I think government is always uh, having with the telcos. During the pandemic era, the president and government had some negotiations with them and they were able to do something about it. And so it's, it's an unending uh, pursuit that government will continue to do. But right from the senior high school to the university level, making sure we provide internet to people and then just not just the internet, the device is also important uh, so that um, teachers can have access to the laptops and the students can also have access to the computers or smartphones or whatever to be able to use and apply their knowledge very well. So it's something that we've started from somewhere. We believe we, we've not been able to get to where we want to get to, mm. but at least there's good faith shown by government yeah. and we need to continue I to I want to that. end with Toby. I started with Toby. I with Toby. Toby, so you, you are the, you are the you, I guess you are the future of this. What does the future look for you when you when you look at the crystal ball of the digital revolution for Ghana, everything that you know so far? What what will be your Ghanaian dream? What would it look like? Man, that's a powerful question. Um, <laughs> Talk like Barack Obama. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and you really have a, a minute to state this. Yeah. I, I see I see a citizen centric solution whereby Ghanaians are actively putting themselves on the line to make this country an amazing place. Starting from initiatives from the government, I see a, a government that is looking to support right all the people who are looking to help and not just even in tech, right? In any capacity. I, I think it's just the idea of a shared community, right, where we can really actively uh, um I mean, the words are not even coming, man. <laughs> just, just supporting each other and building what we want to see. I think that's all I see. I see Ghanaians building exactly what we want to see mm. so we don't have to go anywhere okay. for it. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you all for connecting Michael, Azuela, um, uh, uh, Toby, Margaret, and of course, Winifred, who joins us uh, via Zoom. Uh, Doc, I'm grateful that you connected. Enjoy the rest of the evening. Oh, of course, and we've been live on, um, on, uh, on Facebook Live also. Uh, we're talking about digitalization. How can we not be on Facebook Live? Uh, enjoy the rest of the weekend. Yeah, thank you guys.